When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode of the Bird Shop Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. On this bonus episode excerpt, we talk shotguns and tight holding rough grouse with Nick Adair. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 230. All right, welcome to another episode of the Bird Shop Podcast, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode excerpt with Nick Adair. We'll get to the conversation shortly, but first we will thank Patreon patrons of the Bird Shop Podcast. Those of you out there making voluntary contributions to the show and are directly responsible for today's conversation, as well as supporting the show and keeping all of the great conversations coming your way. Those patrons are eligible for Patreon giveaways, bonus episodes like the one you'll hear a sample from today, and we set everybody up with some Bird Shop Podcast can coolers and stickers as a little thank you as well. You can learn more and sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshop. All right, moving quickly into the conversation today. We've done this once or twice before. This is a sample from the last Patreon bonus episode I did with Nick Adair. Patreon patrons will likely have heard this conversation already. However, that is just a small sliver of the Birdshot Podcast audience. So we are sharing a snippet of that conversation on today's show to give everybody a little sneak peek at what some of those bonus episodes consist of. These are video episodes that I do with Nick Adair. Most of it is just the two of us talking, but we have started sharing some GoPro clips from some of our hunts, usually with some kind of interesting occurrence or something to point out that we then break down and talk about a little bit. It's kind of fun to see the dogs and break down different encounters with wild birds or certain scenarios or settings. And in this case, it happens to be a very closely holding roughed grouse that surprised the heck out of me after I had reached a point where I was pretty convinced it was going to be a woodcock, which is 
oftentimes a recipe for disaster, but you'll just have to watch the clip and see for yourself what happened this time. Anyways, we show these clips on those video episodes. You obviously won't hear it on today's show. You'll hear just a small little bit of audio from that clip, but it's actually a longer clip that if all goes according to plan, either right now or after you listen to this episode, you can go to the Birdshot Podcast Instagram page and view the actually a little bit extended clip. I recut it myself and included a little bit extra on the front end, but you'll be able to go and watch the full clip there so you'll actually know what Nick and I are talking about when we review it on this episode. So check out the bonus episode conversation on today's show if you're interested in that sort of thing, want to chip in a little extra for the Birdshot podcast and gain access to that and some other things. Again, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Either way, we've got a little shotgun and rough grouse conversation coming your way on today's episode. So before we jump into it, I'll just add a little bit more about the clip that you will see if you go to the Birdshot Podcast Instagram page. I do talk about it and set it up in the episode today, but in the added intro footage I included on this slightly updated clip, it's kind of cool. We talk about edges a lot in rough grouse hunting. You can see... Just as the video starts, I'm walking out of kind of a more mature aspen stand forest and quickly transitioning into a much lower canopy, more open setting. There's a lot of jack pine in there, some brush, raspberry, a lot of weeds. We hadn't had a lot of frost yet at this point in the season, although you will see some snowflakes falling. This was from the very first snow of the season, as I recall, October 14th last year. So a little early for snow, but the ground was actually covered in white that morning. And then by the time I got in the woods in the evening when you see the clip it most of it was gone but there were some flakes coming down it was a pretty neat little setting but anyways as i transitioned from that mature canopy into the open younger stuff i immediately get intrigued because i'm thinking it looks like a good spot again transition older age forest to younger age forest just a very clear edge in the forest from high canopy to low obviously a lot more sunlight getting into this area there was a bunch of raspberry in there some jack pines as i mentioned and i'm always talking to myself way too much in the woods but i can't help it you'll hear that in the video i kind of get excited about that transition that i'm seeing and it's not too far into that more open cover that things get interesting so i will leave it at that hope you enjoy the shortened conversation today go check out that clip on the birdshot podcast instagram page let me know what you think And if you want more stuff like that, you can always let me know. DM me on Instagram. Send me an email, nick at birdshotpodcast.com. You know where to find me. All right, let's welcome into the conversation and back to the Birdshot Podcast from the Gun Dog at Yourself Podcast, Nick Adair. Well, I'm not going to lie. I I need to get out. I need to practice. I need to uh, just get back in the swing of it but i'm sitting here thinking i'm like man it, I, I want my upland gun company gun to come in i don't want to waste my practice reps with <laughs> with something right, i'm not right. going to be using next year but i know i got a ways to go on that but uh yeah it's it, it's hard to go out and practice with a shotgun that you know is just doesn't fit you as bad as mine right. does uh but it is what it yeah, is and there's a pretty significant gap between what you have now and what yours will be, which is not the case for everybody. You know, I, one of the things I've talked about with gun fitting is now that I kind of know what fits me or like what stock dimension profile I'm looking for, I can sort of assess another gun and and figure out, okay, I can, you can, you, you understand how to adapt yourself to guns better. If you know what kind of a stock profile you should be shooting. And for you, like, I, I think that's pretty far gap between 
what yeah. you have now and, and what it will be. I was curious. I did a, a quick Google search. I didn't do a big dive on it. I figured I'd, I'd ask you whenever we did circled back and did this. Is there an extension or a block that you could essentially just screw onto the end of the stock to kind of help split the gap? Because I think, what was it, like an inch and a half, inch and I, I can't even remember exactly the dimensions of how far off I was, but it was a substantial gap to where the n- normal yep. padding just doesn't fill in. Uh, I can, I'll look as I, as I talk here. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. You've got to be, you got to be 14 and a half right now with your, with your Bob white. That's yeah. pretty standard. Um, and the, and the new one is, it was 15 it's definitely and 15 and a half, maybe slightly over 15 and a half. So, I mean, for sure a full inch and, there isn't a, a pretty simple answer to your question, uh, but there's one consideration you'll want to have. And so, yeah, so 15, 11, 16. So, yeah, a little over, over 15 and a half. But if you had a 15 and a half inch length of pull, you'd be, you'd be good as far as like getting close, right? Right. And you're actually, your drop at, your drop at the comb is an inch and nine sixteenths. So, this actually might not work out too bad. So, a slip on pad is what I would recommend. There's a, I've got two, there's, there's two from Packmeyer, and then we could look up a link to this and, and share it, but yeah, they'll, you can, you can go and there's a number of them, but that's a good one. I like it. It's a, just a rubber pad. It slips on, it stays put, doesn't move around. Um, I use it on my turkey gun now because that's my first grouse gun youth model 870 (laughs) (laughs) which has a very short length of pull but i pop one of those things on there and i think that gives you something like an inch and a quarter so you got to check how much length of pull it's actually adding but the the consideration there is when you add length of pull you are effectively moving your face back on the stock so you're increasing your drop number and for you based on what i'm just eyeballing here you're you're a little bit lower than the standard dimension anyway so if you push your stock length out your face drops down a little bit you probably won't be too negatively affected so okay. it actually might make sense for you to get an get a slip on pad and throw an inch of length of pull on there and you would be much closer to where you will end up so yeah it'd be a good idea actually no I, i'm definitely going to look into that if you had to guess around about what the price what are they around 70 to 100 bucks something like no that? no 20 20 bucks oh, 25 even better. bucks yeah, Hell like, yeah you go on if you go on amazon and search slip on recoil pad you'll find a bunch um, you just want to again look for one that so i've got there's another one that I have, which might actually be something you might need to consider is that it's, it's a slip on pad that has little foam inserts inside of it that allow you to adjust how much length you're adding. Nice. Whereas my Packmeyer ones are kind of set. I don't recall if those were, maybe they had a different size, but you would be looking for an inch. You'd want to check your Bob white and see if it, if that is a 14 and a half inch length of pull, you want to add about, about an inch. So yeah. Yeah. Too yeah, easy. Look for a slip-on pad. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely gonna jump on that. It'll make me feel a little bit better about not wasting my practice reps yeah. this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your arms won't be so cramped. Yep. You'll feel a little more breathing room on that gun. Yep. So you're using. Although you, you kill, you still kill birds with it, though. I watched the clip this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've shot a, a few of them, but it's it's like Dell was saying when I was getting fitted. It's it's more streaky. You know, it's like. When, when yep. you have a bad fitting gun, if you're a real streaky shooter, that's almost an indication that you have a poor fitting gun because it, like if, it, if it's consistent, then it should be 
a consistent mount. And, and that's something I've always said. It's just like when I'm shooting bad, it's almost like I'm not getting my cheek to the stock or it's not hitting in the right place or just it, you know, all, all the normal stuff that we've talked about a million times, but it's just, uh, I'm interested to, I'm, I'm anxious or, or I want to get to actual effective practice as soon as possible, you know, kind of rush that, but we'll see. Yeah. I I think that's a, that's actually a, a decent way to kind of simplify talking about gun fit a little bit is that you're really setting the stock up so that you're not fighting your, mm-hmm. your body structure to get into the gun, right? Like you can, it's, it's logical to think I have a really short gun. It's too short for me. You're cramped. And yeah. so when you're cramped, you're not going to, you're not going to get in this, the right spot as many times. Whereas when you stretch that out a little bit, the stock is set up, you're not fighting. It's more of a smooth. And that's kind of like Dell's trying to find that sweet spot. Where are you naturally coming up and mounting the gun? And then how do I fit the gun into that? pocket and we all can adapt to to varying degrees but in your case you're adapting a ton to a gun that was that was significantly too short for you. yeah but it fit in the wallet at the time a heck of a lot absolutely yeah Yeah. (laughs) and it had its time everybody has to start somewhere you You, know absolutely i mean speaking of which you're you're actually using your original grouse gun as a turkey gun so (laughs) i gotta ask i mean do you just not prefer using your side-by-side in the turkey woods are you going for camo like what what's the thought process behind that yeah so i've i've thought i've used a couple different guns for turkey and in the first first time i went i brought i have an old beretta a uh, extrema 2 a391 that was my waterfowling gun duck gun uh that i have not used for like a decade and then i took it out and i did get my first turkey with that one but i was just thinking oh you got to have a 12 gauge three and a half inch shell to kill turkey <laughs> yeah. well, I've, I've i've learned since that that's not the case and and that's kind of the beauty of tss tss has opened a lot of doors T- tungsten tss being tungsten super shot um enabled turkey hunters to use a lot of different guns and smaller gauges so after that then I went to, I liked the idea of using a double gun. So I had a, I had a little over under 20 gauge that I used the, the second time and that worked fine, but I didn't really have the right choke set up. I didn't, I just had regular kind of IC mod chokes and those chokes said, uh, they're, they're European choke tubes. So the way they, they do it is like anything tighter than modified, they view as a non-steel uh, choke so not approved for that so I, you're not you, i wasn't going to shoot a full choke out of that and i killed a bird with a modified choke out of that gun so it did work again i think tss getting the credit there yeah but so then i kind of was like well i would love to shoot a side-by-side and i played around a little bit i patterned a little 28 gauge side-by-side that i have but i just don't quite have the right one my upland gun company side-by-sides are too light in my opinion to to want to shoot tss out of it like it's just a it's a heavy payload and i just don't i don't feel like i need to shoot tss out of those guns so it the back of my mind is going as far as like what i could there is a gun that i could build from rfm that could be a turkey gun so i'm thinking about that and that might happen at one point but for now I just kind of last year, I just got comfortable with the idea of, Hey, it's an 870 express. It's been sitting in the closet for a long time or the gun safe. And I, I threw a sling mount on there. Easy to find parts for it. Right. They got a, got a different end cap. So sling mount there. I actually, the one gun I actually felt comfortable drilling a hole into the stock, (laughs) my 870 express. So I drilled a hole. It's not perfectly straight, but I like, I really planned it out and I got a decent sling stud in there. So I got a sling on it. 
It's a short, compact gun, easy to carry around. It did shoot three-inch shells. I wasn't sure about that. Um, so I, so it's a three-inch gun and just a nice little pump gun. And I, the last two turkeys I bagged have been with that. Yeah. Um, so for now, that's my turkey gun. I got you. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. dude, and it, eight, it's been repurposed, you know? Yeah. And I mean, an 870, I mean, I, I call it just a functional boat paddle. I mean, it's that was my first one kind of getting into it. I, I duck hunted with it. It's... It's no longer uh, in existence. I, I put it out of its misery after one too many times of it just jamming at me on it at the on me at the wrong time. But uh, I killed a lot of birds with it too. You know, it kind of yeah. got me to the CZ level, and you know, everything's a transition. So I think it's uh, interesting. But I, be honest, how often is it almost a daily basis to where you dream up of another reason to possibly build another shotgun? Uh, Yes, and I would say that's because I'm on a daily basis. I am talking to customers yeah. and sort of building their guns, so it's it's hard to tr- it's hard to turn it off. Um, I'm I'm always thinking of something, and you know, you get new ideas from customers, little tweaks and little customizations. I was just talking to a guy last week. He's uh, we're probably going to build him a gun, and he's he wants to put the latitude and longitude of his hunting camp, engrave that on there some somewhere. And I that's that interesting. Was, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I know you've seen um, recently we put out uh, yeah. art from Jay Dowd. You get Jay Dowd art on on the gun. So, and I don't have one with that. So I'm like, oh, that, you know, I probably should have that. I, I yeah. saw that. I almost <laughs> I almost texted you and we're like, you know, maybe I do want to add that to it. <laughs> the the growls. Hey, there's still time. There's All still right, time. <laughs> hey, I, I'm I'm considering. I might have to circle back and talk to you about that uh, as far as like the pricing on it, but. Yeah, I mean that that's really cool. And from my understanding, is he's working on other designs because uh, I think I saw other people asking, "Well, what about this? What about that one?" And and you guys said that he's working on other ones as well. Yeah, yeah. So the first four that came out for anybody that didn't see it, he did bobwhite quail, woodcock, rough grouse, pheasant, and we have a Hungarian partridge and sharptail, which was a really the the top priority for us because we didn't have those birds. Uh, so those are being developed he's already finished the designs we just haven't seen the laser test yet of those and then we'll work in some other ones probably some of the western quail species and we've talked about a sage grouse and a turkey and we'll see jay seemed to have a lot of fun with it and and he uh he got a gun with some of his artwork on it so it's really cool and we're so as long as he wants to keep doing stuff we'll we'll keep adding them yeah no that's that's cool. Jay does a lot of cool artwork. His uh, the the limited print that he just ran a couple weeks ago. It, it was that was almost enticing to me to to buy. That was a pretty cool I little print. One. Did you? It's it's actually it's in a tube over on my de- table. I haven't even opened it up yet. I kind of forgot it. It was sitting there. But <laughs> yeah, there was there were just too many things going on in that poster that I had to have. <laughs> and I don't I don't mind supporting Jay. So. Right. Yeah. I, I had to talk myself out of it. I wanted it, but I I had to. You know, there's only so many prints and stuff you can hang up on a wall for sure. But uh, that that one tested me a little bit there for a minute. Uh, yeah. But uh, I just I. I just texted him la- or earlier this week to see if he had done any turkey stuff because I've, I w- maybe we'll talk about this, but I I just had my I finished my turkey season last week, and obviously listeners of my show will know I'm kind of like going down this rabbit hole a little bit, but you know I've got all sorts of grouse 
and and upland stuff on my walls as as do you but now i'm like geez i probably should get something to kind of commemorate the turkey hunt and <laughs> and you know it's starting to resonate with me like that that spring gobbler and the tom and the strutting and all that stuff so i kind of want to want to add some of those visuals to the office and i just asked jay if he done anything and he said he hasn't done a turkey yet but he was kind of curious about that so we're we're going to talk about that but i went in all the usual avenues i was looking on ebay for old you know old garage sale yeah. frame prints and stuff and i i found some stuff but it wasn't uh it was there wasn't as much stuff as i thought i was going to find and i i haven't done a really in-depth search but uh i don't know if anybody has any ideas for where to go find cool turkey art they should let me know because i gotta add a few pieces Gearing up for your next hunt? Check out Ugly Dog Hunting Company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly Dog Hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, Ugly Dog Hunting carries it and a whole lot more. New owner of the company and Fred of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Nadusky, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit UplandGunCompany.com. It's interesting. I, I'm I'm with you. I have a fascination with birds in general for some reason, uh, and that's why it's just like I I'm kind of tentative to where I, I kind of don't want to go turkey hunting because again I don't I don't need that. You know what might what might could happen? <laughs> yeah, like I don't need that addiction. I don't I don't need something else to take up my time. But uh, eventually one day, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, yeah, opportunities there for yeah. you. So. As we kind of transition from turkeys to grouse, we were, we were talking about how we we're going to lead off this this episode with your right. your hunting clip, but obviously we kind of just started jawjacking. So, uh, you want to jump into your clip? Do you you want to set anything up, or you just want to let it unfold? Yeah, I was going to say this would be kind of a good segue to say you want to know what I love about grouse hunting, and that would be the first like fifteen seconds of this clip or ten seconds. It's so, like this was our middle of October kind of a gray day i remember it was the first snow we got so i woke up that morning october 14th i think it was and there was not probably not quite an inch but there was a the ground was covered in wet snow and at that time of the season you're kind of like oh no here we go like i got you know i got the best month of grouse grouse hunting ahead of me at that point i do not want to see snow but the ground is not cold at that point so there was white in the morning by the time I got into the woods in the afternoon, it was kind of gone. But in this scene, there's some snowflakes coming down. It's just like really scenic yeah. and the covers looking prime again, October 14th, most of the leaves are down. So it just looks good. And I, I will, I will save my commentary until the end because I don't want to, I don't want to spoil this one, but it's yeah. just, there's a lot of, uh, again, that, that real time decision-making that's going on in this clip. It's pretty interesting. And it's a, it's a fun one from Hartley. Yep. Well, let's pull it up.
Holy <laughs> Dead bird, Hartley. <sighs> that brings, bring, brings you back to the moment. Dude, I mean, I'm just sitting here smiling because I, mean, I want to hear your initial thoughts because I, I got a few on that. Yeah, well, I'm curious what you picked up on there, but it's the obviously you could tell I was pretty worked up in the yeah. video that like that grouse it, it couldn't have been more than five feet from my feet and you know five feet from heart so it's just like so rare to have a grouse hold that tight and like they come come screaming out of there you know I'm all jacked up like I'm, I'm really surprised I made that shot like the it was it was a good shot and obviously I was happy to do that but there was just like I I was so pumped up after that shot could obviously tell and it's the the main thing that I find really interesting about that is it's a trail bird scenario. So Hartley is like basically came in and he's right there in front of me. It's super cool when you see your dog go on point like that. But I'll be honest, like when that happens, I'm I'm usually I'm not overly confident that I'm going to get that bird because I feel like when the dogs point him on the trail like that, the dogs in the trail, the bird is there. The bird can easily just kind of slip out into into the woods and kind of be gone and the thing about trails they let sunlight come in so the cover tends to be real thick along the trail like i'd much rather be in the woods and have my dog point them in the woods that particular i mean i've spent plenty of time on trails that particular spot we were trying to get to a different area anyways so i kind of like you make this game time decision do i walk right up the trail past the dog or do i step in and try to make a loop and pinch the bird. Clearly, I stepped in, and I did that because you could kind of see there was an opening back there. So I was kind of thinking, as soon as I hit the brush, that bird was going to go screaming across that opening. I probably would have a good look. And I ended up, I got in there, and that raspberry was so thick, that patch, you could kind of see me pause there, and Hartley's bell goes, and didn't know what was going on. But I was thinking about turning around and coming back out because it was so thick. I, I, I continued in and like the main thing that I would point out is like, once I get in there and I start looping in my mind, there's no grouse there. Uh, most grouse are going to be gone at that point. So I'm kind of thinking I'm going to be flushing a woodcock. And a lot of times that can get you into trouble. Yeah. And in this case, I didn't make a very big loop. I mean, there's, there's all th kinds of things I could critique about it, but I ended up just making a real quick loop kind of thinking it was probably a woodcock in there. And I, I got all the way back around to Hartley and wouldn't you know it, there's a grouse yeah. there. It's very similar to to what you're describing is where my, my head went because I'm sitting here, okay, the grouse usually don't hold that strong. But what makes a, a bird freeze is when a dog just kind of appears out of nowhere and they're on top of them to where it's just like they're just staring at the dog. And to your point, if you go up the trail, then, yeah, he's just going to pitch out and there's trees in between you and you're not getting or a shot. pines in there too, Yep. But because you did the loop, and I think on that, that time I counted like five instances where I'm like, normally I'd expect a flush here, flush there, flush there. But I think it worked in your favor. There's no way of knowing this for sure, but I, I, I'm going to guess it worked in your favor that you did a tighter circle that time because it's almost, we talk about advantage points to where you're kind of cutting off the escape routes for the grouse. And because he was so close to Hartley, he had trees behind him. He didn't want to go where Hartley was. And because you were so tight on the circle, he was like, well, I don't want to go that way. And, and then you're going. So you really only, you, you cut off all of his escape routes. And that's why he pitched over Hartley. But that, to me, like that is when I first started, I would just walk up the trail. And the, how many times have you lost grouse just pitching off into the woods? 
yeah. that's why you do the loop, the, the way you flush. To me, that's the biggest tell-all in, in this clip is that's why we talk about circling around. Yeah, we it, it's for you ultimately getting a better shot, but it's really just cutting off the escape route for the bird. Right. Yeah, totally. And yeah, in hindsight, I think you, you can, that's, that's sort of how I look at it too. And I mean, Hartley being so close to that bird, like I, I do think had a great deal with why it froze. And then, and then the things when you're making that loop, I did stop at one point, which was a, which is a, an opportunity where a grouse typically would take off. You know, ideally if you're making a loop, you don't want to stop until you're in a spot where you can get a good shot. And for me, I stopped because I was hesitant about going into that raspberry. So it, I didn't get burned that time, but I easily could have. But then, then once I kept going, you know, you want to kind of keep going, don't move, don't stop until, you know, until I got all the way back around and then I could kind of see across the trail thinking, all right, maybe this woodcock's going to flutter up and I may or may not shoot, but there was a grouse there. Yeah. It went across it. I still had an open look, so that was helpful, but right. Well, dodging underneath that branch and getting a shot, it's a hell of a shot. So when when that second one, you heard the second one go off, did you know 100% that that was a second one? Or did you think that possibly that was the original one and that's why you yelled woe to Hartley? So when I first first heard it, I I assumed it was a second one because I I saw – my hit on that bird looked really like that bird kind of totally went stone cold in the air. So it looked good. So when I, when I heard that, I heard a bird go and I just woed him because I kind of want to encourage stop to flush. Gotcha. And so heard a second bird, I said, whoa. And then it wasn't until I got in that grass and it doesn't take, but a few seconds for the doubt to start to creep. Oh like, yeah. Oh my gosh, we might lose this bird. Or was that, did I just somehow knock that bird out of the air and he flushed again? So then I was kind of, you could hear, I was talking to myself like, there's no way that bird, yeah. that bird yeah. flushed. You know, I, I saw him come down. <laughs> and that was also a cool example of, you know, Hartley hunting dead, just like in that heavy grass. I mean, you could, you could have a hard time finding a bird, but Hartley's pretty good about, we've done it enough over the last nine seasons or whatever. Yeah. He'll come in and just sort of closely work around. And I'm saying dead bird and we found it pretty quick. So yeah, he was just waiting on his theme music to go off before he found the bird. He's like, all right, (laughs) cue the music. I'll go find it. So I think when I watched that clip, when I got home, I made sure to put my phone on silent for the rest of the season. (laughs) Cause like, as I watched that, I'm just like, Oh, that's so like, I, there was a text message that went off and then my phone's ringing. It was like, I, I think that was playing into some of my frustration there. (laughs) Keep those phones on silent and enjoy the woods. Oh, I was about to say overstimulation. I mean, it, it's like yes. yeah, I leave yes. my phone on vibrate all the time now. Like I even disconnected yeah. it from my watch. I got tired of the text messages and everything yeah. going off. It's like when I have a chance to disconnect, I try to as much as possible, yeah. which gets harder and harder this this time. But yeah, when when you're in the woods, first time I saw that clip, I'm like, I'm surprised that he's got his phone on right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah, man, that that's a cool, cool uh, clip. I mean, just you know, it 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 doesn't get any better than a bird holding that tight and just, I mean, just the way it unfolds. That's what we're after and chasing in it. So it is a cool one. But talk about jump starting the the ticker there. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that one that one had me going. <laughs> but I don't I don't know if there's any other if there's any other takeaways beyond that, um, other than kind of that you know trail bird scenario, make a little loop. But if if anybody sees anything there or has questions, I always appreciate that. It's one of the fun things about looking back at the clips and kind yeah. of watching the stuff. I think it's, I mean, the only other side thing, and I mean, something we've talked about 
for a, a few times, I think. So this may maybe not be worth venturing in too much. But the use of the bell, you know, it, yeah. it's something I've talked about to where I don't like a lot of noise. Again, going back to the phone, like I don't I don't like noise or the beepers or anything like that in the woods. But hunting with you last year, it really kind of opened my eyes to how useful a bell can because if you're in that scenario and your dog is stopping birds are flushing and you're having to look down at your remote to try and find out where your dog's at it's just one other thing that you have to add to the to-do list and and so like just the ability to know exactly where your dog is at all time in relation to even that second bird flushing it's just immediate feedback immediate communication so that that's something to where i'm I, I keep saying that I'm going to do it, but I haven't ordered a bell yet. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that as as I as we roll that clip, that is like for me. Obviously, I hear that all the time, but that was like it puts me in that moment. So just that yeah. little tinkle of that bell, and I've I've many times like I I I don't use a real loud bell. I have got my GPS collar. That's just a it's a small little Swiss bell that is really just for that real time information for me. It's not it's not overly loud or aggressive. Um, and I really, really like that. And again, just that little move that hardly made, you know, that's a, that's a bit of feedback. Like if the bird would have flushed at that point, I don't know what I would have done. Um, it's hard to say without actually having it, but to know that your dog makes a quick move and then stops, you know, I'm, I'm getting information off all that stuff. So, well, just picture a running bird and you do your loop to where you can't see the dog. You don't know the birds running, but you can hear the dog moving and it, again, immediate communication, immediate feedback. But yeah, yeah, that's other than that, man. I just I think we covered all my thoughts anyway. It's just amazing. Five five different times, I'm just expecting a bird to kick out, and it doesn't. <laughs> it's just like that that doesn't happen usually. Yeah, so yeah, that was a cool one. Yep. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you really love the show and want to contribute above and beyond what you already do by listening, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.